0: I don't hate God. And it's a good thing, right? At, at, least, uh, at least I don't think that I do. I, I don't think that I hate God. Not exactly sure, though. And, and I know it sounds strange, and I know it sounds weird. It's like, Sean, you're a pastor, you're Preacher Sean, you're, you know, you, 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 of course you love God, right? When I evaluate my life, when I look at my life and I look at the way that I live and I look at the things that I desire and the things that I want and then I look at time, the time that I spend with God and I look at the time that I, I hang out with God and the things that I do for Him, I don't know that they're, I don't know that they balance out. Because I look at scripture passages like 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 this one here from First John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. It says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Now see, that, that scares me. I'll tell you right now, that scares me. Because it's like, if you love the world, then you do not love God. And and there's a lot of stuff in this world that I really like. There's a lot of stuff in this world that I enjoy. Those things, like the, the cravings, you know, the cravings are real. The struggle is real. And then I read a verse like this, with the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters... Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Does anyone here hate money? Does anybody here love money? Oh, be careful little hand that you raise. Because what does Jesus say? You cannot can not love both God and money. It can't happen. It can't do it. You can't serve two masters. And yet we want to. We want to serve two men. We want to be like, all right, uh, okay, I'm going to do my Sunday church thing, and then the rest of the week I'm going to be in the world and doing my world thing. And we want to live two separate lives. Or we uh, we, we want to be married to Jesus, but we still want to date the world. Oh, it doesn't work that way, folks. It reminds me of a story about Luciano Pavarotti uh Pavarotti uh of course you all know probably know who Pavarotti was a world famous operatic tenor uh had an amazing voice and uh when he was younger uh he was taking vocal lessons he was taking vocal lessons and he was enrolled in a teacher's college uh at the same time and he was after graduating from teacher's college he couldn't make up his mind what he wanted to do if he wanted to be a teacher or if he wanted to be a tenor if he wanted to be a singer Now, of course, we know the story, the rest of the story, that he went on to become a singer. But he asked his father at the time, what should I do? Should I be a teacher or should I be a singer? And his father took two chairs. He took two chairs and put them side by side. He said, this is your choice. He said, sit in both chairs. And, of course, Pavarotti looked at him and said, "I, I, I can't do that or else... I'll fall down and this is what Pavarotti's father told him he says if you try to sit on two chairs you will fall between them for life you must choose one chair for life you must choose one chair and when it comes to following Jesus and loving God and loving the world you must choose a chair and I want to talk with you this morning about choosing your chair we are in the book of James. We've been in the book of James now for a couple weeks. And uh, we are here today uh, to talk about where the rubber meets the road. And uh, we've looked at different things about where the rubber meets the road, about uh, pl- how God doesn't play favorites and neither should we. We talk about putting feet and hands and feet to our faith and living out our faith on a daily basis, doing good works for people uh, in the name of Jesus Christ because we are saved by grace, through, saved by faith, Saved by grace through faith in order to do good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And so we are all about doing these good works for Jesus because he has saved us. Not to be saved, not to keep ourselves saved. That's not why we do good works. It's because Jesus has saved us that we do good works. So we've talked about the difference between faith and deeds. We've talked about uh, favoritism. We've talked about taming the tongue. That's a fun one. Uh, we talked last week about how uh, we talked about human wisdom versus heavenly wisdom, and, and we talked about how uh, human wisdom says is full of selfish ambition, and heavenly wisdom is full of submission and humility. And we talked about being a peacemaker and not a peacebreaker. And uh, so today we're going to talk about choosing your chair. Which chair will you choose? Will you choose a chair that says "I love God"? Or will you choose a chair that says, I love the world, but you can't sit in both? And you can't chair hop either. You can't say, okay, this is Sunday. I love God. It's Monday. Oh, I love the world. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Hope, oh, better get out of this chair. It's time for church. That's better. You can't chair hop. You have to choose a chair. So if you've got your Bible, turn to James chapter 4. We're in James 4 today, verses 1 through 12. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 855. And uh, if you brought your favorite, uh, you can use your favorite uh, smartphone or tablet app uh, on your phone or tablet. If you want to use your phone or tablet uh, and uh, look up James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. My dad brought me a glass of water because he knows I'm not feeling well. Thanks, Dad. He brought it up to me. He goes, happy birthday. <laughs> so uh, there you go. And the funny thing is, let me tell you a little story. My dad wears a very, very specific kind of cologne. The cup smells like his cologne. So every time I drink it, it's like, Dad. <laughs> so thanks, Dad. Uh, so let's look at James 4, 1 through 12. Let's look at the first three verses. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. See, James says is that you know, there's fights and quarrels going in the church. This connects to last week, the heavenly versus human wisdom and how in the church, when we want our own way, when we want our own preferences, when we want to make our opinions heard, and we want things the way that we want them, that's when we fight, and that's when we quarrel, that's when we kill, and when we covet. And it's like, I've never killed anybody. Maybe not physically, but maybe in your mind or in your heart. Maybe you've killed them spiritually maybe you've killed them emotionally maybe you've talked about them or even said things to them that are cruel and mean and murderous in your words you kill and covet you want what you don't have you want what others have whether it's position power whether it's a person i want what they have and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get it from them. To take it from them. Even if I have to, quote unquote, kill them. You see, when it comes to this idea of being in relationship with God, in relationship with one another, can't have it both ways when it comes to uh, our selfish desires and our sinful desires. You have to make a choice. Am I going to love God or am I going to love the world? Am I going to love myself or am I going to love others? I've got to choose a chair. He says that you kill and covet, you fight and quarrel. And it's from these desires that battle within us. These desires. We talked about those in the, <coughs> excuse me, in the passage from 1 John. Those cravings for physical pleasure. Those cravings for everything we see. That pride in our achievements and our possessions. We fight and quarrel over these things. And they don't last. They don't last. Yet we fight and we kill and we covet for these things. He says you do not receive because you do not ask God. And then when you do ask, you ask with wrong motives. So uh, how many times do we pray with wrong motives? Lord, bless me. Lord, I I need this. Lord, I I need you. I, I, I I need help. And yet at the same time, we're all, think, all we're thinking about is ourselves. He says, you do not receive, you do not ask, you do not receive, you do not have, because you do not ask God, and when you do ask, you ask with wrong, selfish motives, so that you can take what you get and spend it on yourselves and fulfill your selfish desires. This whole passage, James 4, 1-12, is about selfishness versus humility. It's about selfishness versus selflessness. It's about humbling ourselves before God instead of puffing ourselves up with pride. So when it comes to this idea of, you know, you do not have because you do not ask God, that's not a challenge to say, okay, if I just pray about it, I'm gonna have it. It's about praying with right motives, praying with the proper motives, so that what you get, you can give away. We're called to be a blessing to other people. The blessings we receive, we're called to bless others with. And yet we don't think of that very often, do we? <laughs> it's like, gimme, 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 so I can go get, 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 get. Instead of gimme, 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 so I can give, 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 give. That's the way we should do it. Let's keep going. Starting in verse 4. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace? That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When he calls them adulterous people, and by the way, he's speaking to us too, he says, You adulterous people, it the actual in the Greek, it's in the feminine form. So it's you adulteresses. And he's referring to the church. And this harkens back to the Old Testament when the prophets would say that the uh, people of Israel were cheating on God by pursuing the things of the world. And James is saying, you adulterous people, you adulteresses, the bride of Christ, the church, you're cheating on your spouse. You're cheating on your groom. You're cheating on Jesus. When you choose to sit in the chair that says, I love the world, you're cheating on Jesus. You're committing adultery on Jesus. So a church that is more committed to the things of this world than they are to the things of Jesus is cheating on Jesus. Now the scary part is, is that the church is made up of whom? Us, people. So you adulterous people, you adulteresses, that's us. When we choose the chair of the world, we are cheating on our, on our husband. As a church, we're cheating on Jesus. We're committing adultery on Jesus. And so when we choose to love the things of the world more than we love the things of God, when we choose to love the world instead of loving God, and what did John say? When you choose to love the world, it means you hate God. Friendship with the world is hatred toward God that word for friendship that greek word for friendship is the word philia we get the city of philadelphia's name from that word city of brotherly what see this word means more than just friendship with the world it means more than just hanging out with the world it means more than just getting to the world every getting together with the world every once in a while it is an actual love for the world a brotherly kind of love for the world and when we say that we love the world More than we love God, we are cheating on our Savior, Jesus Christ. And then James throws some good news right in the middle of there. He says, But he gives us more grace. That's where grace comes in. Because you know what? We're weak. And the things of this world are bright and shiny and pretty. And we want those things, right? Am I alone in this? We want the stuff. We want the gadgets. We want the clothes. We want the cars. We want the houses. We want the vacations. We want all the, the shiny stuff of the world. And it distracts us from God. And we want that stuff. And we chase after that stuff. We will do anything to get that stuff. We'll put ourselves in deep, deep debt. We will run over uh, family members. We will run over friends. Black Friday's coming next month, folks. You're going to see it on the news, aren't you? People running over each other at Walmart to get a $400 television. But it's 65 inches. The people are bigger than life size. Do you really need a 65-inch television for $400? bucks? do not answer that. <laughs> you see, when you love the world, when you love the stuff of the world, when you love the system of the world, The love of God is not in you. And you kill and you covet. You fight and you bicker and you quarrel to get the stuff of this world. And the stuff of this world doesn't last. Let's keep going. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He gives us more grace so that when we fall short and we do fall short and when we fail and we do fail, he forgives us. And so because he forgives us, because he loves us, because he washes us clean? James says, to submit yourselves to God. Surrender your heart to Jesus. Surrender your heart to God. Submit to his will and to his way. Love God more than you love the world. Love God and hate the world and the things of it. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Those evil desires, the devil knows all about them. And he comes calling and he comes tempting. And how do we fight the devil? Well, I look at the example of Jesus. When when Jesus was tempted by the devil, what did he do? He quoted scripture to the devil. And so I just want to give a little PSA, a little public service announcement for reading your Bible. Because the, the Bible and how many of you have seen my daily devotions on, on Facebook? okay I do like a one minute video devotion on Facebook, and this week was about the armor of God and in the armor of God we only have one weapon. everything else is defensive except for one weapon, and that is the sword of the spirit, which is anybody Bible. the Bible it's the Word of God. the Word of God is the only weapon we have against the enemy and just to be clear, our enemy is not people our enemy is the devil the enemy is the evil one the enemy is satan so in other words the people in this room are not your enemy no matter which side of the political aisle they sit on no matter which side of the theological aisle they sit on because we don't all agree on everything i know that you know that so we may have disagreements on different rights and different responsibilities we may have disagreements on different things but you are not my enemy, and I am not yours. And the people sitting in this room with you are not your enemy. The people outside this building are not your enemy. The devil is your enemy. And you have one weapon against him, and that is the word of God. And so if you're not in the word of God, then how, how it's like going into a battle with no, with no weapon. How's that going to work out for you? You're going to go against the devil. You're going to go against the prince of darkness. You're going to go against the prince of this world with no weapon. Read your Bible. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, (coughs) excuse me. Um, We resist the devil and he will flee from us as he fled from Jesus when Jesus quoted Scripture to the devil. And instead of drawing near to Satan, he says, come near to God and he will come near to you. If you will submit yourself to God, God will fight your battles for you. He will protect you. He will preserve you. Come near to God and He will come near to you. That is a promise from Scripture. You don't have to be afraid to draw near to God. You don't have to be afraid of God. He wants to have a relationship with you based on His love. And the way you enter into that relationship is by believing in Jesus, repenting from your sins, confessing your faith, and getting baptized. And God washes away your sins. He fills you with His Holy Spirit. He puts you in this right relationship with Him. And you can submit to him and surrender to him. He will lead you and guide you every day for the rest of your life. He will fill you with his love and you will love God and love others and tell people about Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. This whole thing is based on his love and on his grace. So the question I have is, which chair will you choose? Which chair are you going to choose? Let's close out this passage by looking at verses 11 and 12. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, it may seem like that's disconnected from the previous passage, but in in reality, they're connected. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The the Greek word for devil is diabolos. And it's the same root word for the word slander. So when you slander somebody, you're treating them like the devil would. The devil is a slanderer. He is an accuser. So when you slander someone, and, and by the way, our definition of slander is usually to say something false about someone in order to hurt their reputation or in order to hurt them. But in the Greek... The word for slander literally means uh, to say anything against someone. So if you are speaking against someone, you are slandering them. He says, do not slander one another. And why do we slander other people? So we can get our way. Why do we put people down? So we can make ourselves feel better. It's all about pride. He says, do not slander one another. Because when you slander someone, you are sitting in judgment over them. And who do you think you are To judge somebody else. Because when you put yourself in the position of judge, he says there's only one judge, only one lawgiver, and his name is God. And you, my friends, I know, me too, we are not God. And so we have no right to sit in judgment over someone else and condemnation over someone else. It's not our job. We're not big enough to do that. So do not judge, do not slander one another. Instead, let us encourage one another and build each other up. When it comes to choosing your chair, I think James wants us to choose a specific one. It's not the chair, it's not not God's chair of judgment and it's not the chair of loving the world but it's the chair of loving God. You can't choose both chairs You cannot choose to love the world and to love God. You can't do it. You will either love God and hate the world, or you will love the world and hate God. The question is, which chair will you choose? Which chair do you want to sit in? And you can't choose both because you'll fall between them. So, when it comes to choosing your chair, I want you to choose wisely. And to choose carefully. Because when you choose the chair of loving God, that means sold out surrender to Jesus Christ. That means full hearted, total devotion to Jesus. That means I love Jesus and nothing else matters. The things of this world don't matter. The things of, of uh, this world uh, I, I don't give a hoot about anymore. I reject the things of this world because I love Jesus. And so for like, you know, teenagers in the audience, teenagers out there hearing me now, which chair are you going to choose when you go to school tomorrow? Are you going to choose the chair of popular opinion? Are you going to choose the chair of the easy way out? Are you going to choose the chair of the world? And going with the flow and doing what everybody else does, even if it's not what God wants you to do? Teenagers, which chair will you choose when you go to school tomorrow? My friends, which chair will you choose when you go to work tomorrow? Will you choose the chair of least resistance? Will you choose the chair of going the easy way? Will you choose the chair of of sacrificing things that matter for things that don't? Which chair will you choose at work tomorrow? Which chair will you choose when you go home today? Will you take that chair of loving God with you? Or are you going to choose a chair? It says, I love the world more. Will you choose the chair? Maybe if you're a grandparent, will you choose the chair that says, I love my children and grandchildren unconditionally, and I will help them to know Jesus as best as I can? Or will I just kind of put those conversations off like they don't really matter? Which chair will you choose? Choose wisely. Because the chair you choose determines your destiny. The chair you choose determines your destiny. If you choose to love the world, then you choose, by default, to hate God. If you choose to love God, then by default, you choose to hate the world, and it cannot you cannot have it both ways. So, Which chair will you choose? Think about that this week. My dream, my goal, my desire when I I preach on Sundays is that something's going to strike you this week, that God's going to bring something to mind and recall something from this sermon. And my my prayer is that every time you sit down this week, every time you go to sit in a chair, that you will think about which chair you're going to choose for your life.